0: We often think, okay, I'm just going to power through. But if we keep powering through, we run out of power. We have to take a few moments, a few hours for recovery.
1: I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one with caregivers to help them find solutions to the often confusing behaviors that come with the diagnosis of dementia.
2: And I'm Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist, and I look for ways to bridge a gap of a deficiency for the caregivers.
1: And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: Our goal is to focus on the caregiver, offer practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe, just maybe, share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine.
1: And don't forget the wine, Mike.
2: Oh no, we'll never forget the wine. Our focus is on the caregiver and providing the caregiver with information which will help them during and even beyond their caregiving years. Separate from that, there are specific certifications and education that caregivers can achieve.
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the many reasons we're so glad to have Denise Brown back with us because we have benefited from her classes and her amazing knowledge and are happy to let other caregivers and those who will become caregivers know about what she has to offer Today's guest started supporting caregivers in 1990 and started a business to help them in 1995. She launched one of the first online caregiving communities in 1996. She now creates and delivers caregiving training programs for the workplace and for individuals who want to coach family caregivers. She has trained 300 plus caregivers from seven different countries through her Caregiving Years Training Academy. We are very pleased to welcome back Denise Brown. Denise, thank you so much for agreeing to be with us again. You were our very first guest
0: when we started this. Yeah, congratulations on all your success with the podcast. It's awesome.
2: It's hard to believe we're in season three and partway through season three. It's actually (laughs) mind-boggling, but here we are.
0: So,
1: Denise, we we very much want to share with our listeners the opportunities that that you offer to people. Um, One of the things that is really important to me in my outreach is caregivers in the workplace, and I understand that you have a workbook for Workplace Wellness, so we want to get into that. Take it away.
0: Yes. This past spring, a colleague actually asked me to create a a workbook resource for those who are in the workplace, but also caring for family members and grieving for family members. And so I thought, well, what would that be? So I created a free resource. Anybody can download it. It's available on caringourway.com. You don't have to put an email address in. It's really free. And it's just about 80 pages. It's seven sections. And it really looks to what our workday is like when sometimes we're focused on other parts of our life, like caregiving. So, for instance, before we started this podcast, I made a quick phone call to my sister, who's taking my dad to an appointment with his ostomy nurse. We've been having a lot of runaround around trying to get services set up for him. So I had a moment where I could catch my sister before she walked into the appointment. So I think that's what we do during our workday. It's right before a meeting where we think, I've got a moment, to call a healthcare professional, a sibling, uh, my caree, just to organize one last detail. I think it's nice to know that there's a resource that helps you manage all this, that understands what it's like, the pressure, the stress. I saw a stat today from Gallup that says almost 60% of us who are in the workplace experience daily stress. 60% 60% of us, we are so burnt out, and yet we continue. We have to keep going. We have to keep our jobs, and we want to do a good job. And hopefully this resource gives some strategies and tools to help working family caregivers accomplish that.
1: Yes, there's enough stress in being a caregiver, let alone adding the workplace on top of it. And some of the concerns that that we've heard about is, you don't want anybody to know that you're a caregiver in your workplace for fear that people might not understand or feel that you're not doing a good job or look what's going on in her personal life. And maybe we don't want to give this person this this task or this promotion, that kind of stuff. The last thing we want is to add more stress to it.
0: The truth is we actually do have to talk about our caregiving experience in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And the person we go to is our manager because we need time off. We need a little bit of flexibility. And the person that can give us that is our manager. But guess who's not equipped to have these conversations in the workplace? (laughs) The manager. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: You know, it's interesting that you say that because I had a staff uh, once upon a time when I had a day job almost 2,000 days ago. And I had a staff and four of my seven people were actually caregivers for their parents. And it was interesting because some of them had kids, and my whole philosophy was, I gathered them all together when I took over the office, and I said, look, this job will be here. Your family is what's most important. There's a finite period of time. If you need time off or you have an issue, just tell me and, and go deal with the issue. This will take care of itself in due time. That will not. And they were very, very appreciative of that outreach to them and letting them know that I understood and wanted them to take care of their family. So what you say is very, very important. Other managers, what do you mean you let them just go? you got to let them go. It's family.
1: Well, that that speaks to educating the employers. Like Denise said, the manager
0: doesn't know what the manager needs to know. I will also tell you that the conversations are happening in the workplace among colleagues. Mm -hmm. We think that the silence happens all the time, but I would tell you that what we want in the workplace are meaningful conversations about what's happening in our work and personal life. For instance, I connected with an HR manager at an IT software company, and they started Of informal group to connect family caregivers and those who are grieving. They started it during COVID. And I asked her, would this have been possible five years ago? She said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And they are looking at taking my training programs because they want to invest in in actually supporting and facilitating these difficult conversations because the truth is the conversations are happening. It's impossible not to have the conversations because so many of us are impacted by caregiving situations. And I think the bigger concern is the employer who doesn't believe the conversations are happening They are missing an opportunity to cultivate a culture where meaningful conversations so that we can connect to support keep us engaged in our work life. I'll just add one other thing. We stay in our job because of the relationships. And if we have effective conversations with relationships with our colleagues and our managers, we have a tendency to stay longer in that job. It's the relationships that keep us where we are.
2: Not a truer statement has ever been said. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always about the money. No. It's about. No. It's about that relationship. And I feel that my supervisor understands me or my company understands me. If you don't have that, people are always looking.
1: Now, Denise, you mentioned
0: the workbook has different sections. Could you tell us about that? Yeah, so I tried to break it out in terms of... What's an experience that you might have that you would like strategies and tools to help with? So one of the sections is on managing reviews. We are reviewed all the time. It's not just the annual review. It's the daily review. And it could be that we didn't get the sales contract, we got passed over for the promotion, or we held a meeting that just kind of was off mark. We are reviewed all the time. And I think we need resilience to manage these reviews. And I will tell you during a caregiving experience, we often lack the energy for managing reviews. We are reviewed in our personal life, too. Think about when you have young kids and they look to you and say, what's for dinner? And then you say, pot roast. And they roll their eyes. They say, oh, yuck. I mean, they're reviewing us. Yes. This idea that we are reviewed mm-hmm. all the time is sometimes just oh, I can't manage another review. So I came up with a strategy to help with the reviews. And the, the strategy basically is to get back to the moment. A review, especially one that you feel like, oh my gosh, that is not the review I wanted. That's a setback. When we have a setback, we can get back to the moment. We can leave the setback in our past by focusing on what can I do right now in this moment to keep going? We want to keep going. Ultimately, that's really what the book is about is how do we keep going? And there's there's a section on the grind of difficult days. Oh, how do you manage that grind? <laughs> yeah, right? Think about the grind around the processes you have to experience in the workplace. These processes are tedious, overwhelming. Sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid. I have to get 10 people to sign off on a hundred (laughs) dollar purchase. So that's the workplace, but it's also the healthcare system. So what I'm going through with my dad is just tedious. It's a process. It's a system that makes everything so hard. So when you have both happening at the same time, it makes sense that we're just fatigued, exhausted, burnt out. So we need some tools to help with that. And then there's a section about, well, what do I need? Because oftentimes we think, okay, the pressing need isn't me, but yet we do have pressing needs. And I think about strategies around a daily recovery plan. What's a plan we can put in a place to recover after a difficult day, a trying time, a, a caregiving crisis, an upsetting experience? We often think, okay, I'm just going to power through. But if we keep powering through, we run out of power we have to take a few moments, a few hours for recovery. So there's a daily recovery plan that's included in the workbook too.
1: When we keep powering through, we run out of power. I mean, how how absolutely true is that? Now, since you're very much involved with this in and with care managers and workplace managers and that type of thing, I had listened to somebody who was talking about, you know, dementia in the workplace people with dementia in the workplace, and how important it is for those with, you know, early onset to, to continue in their jobs. And I guess this is two part. We're finding more response from employers for supporting working caregivers, because those executives are now experiencing it in their own families in getting an idea of what the impact might be. Have you found that to be true?
0: I think there's more support because there's this need to keep your employees. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we had the great resignation and people just said, enough. And if a company doesn't look at how do I retain my workforce, the workforce leaves. And again, we have a, had a shift in terms of what we tolerate So we have categories now of intolerable, and if our workplace falls in that category of intolerable, we are looking for something else. We have decided the price is too high to pay, and I think executives are paying attention to that, and I also think executives are thinking the same thing. So it's not just us, so to speak, who are looking for other opportunities, but I think executives, too, are rethinking what's life. And how does my work life fit into that?
1: And, and you made a good point in that there can be a huge impact on the company if you have a number of family caregivers or caregivers leaving work and having to retrain and having to rehire and losing valuable people it is definitely a part of it. And that, again, speaks to how prevalent this is and how the instances are continued to grow.
0: And just think if you're the employee who has stayed, you're in a caregiving experience and you feel like, you know what, I just can't manage one more thing. And a job search is managing one more thing. You've stayed, your colleagues have left, and you are trying to manage through that transition where you're doing the job of others plus your own plus caregiving. I mean, you are ripe for burnout in a
2: situation like that. Denise, one of the things I want to ask, and I'm I'm not sure I know how to ask it, so bear with me. So I know in the past, a few years ago, it was very hard to get to the HR managers to institute something like caregiver support groups and things of that sort. Since the pandemic, I imagine that they are looking more to do those type of things. However, since the pandemic, a lot of folks are now telecommuting. So I'm wondering, are they having trouble bridging that gap with the folks being at home and providing caregiver support?
0: I think we look to HR to be the solution for situations like that. And I will tell you that actually we are the solution. And something that I offer After you read the workbook, you can actually join me for a two-hour workshop where we talk about how do you implement these strategies. And then if you like it, you can become a workplace resilience facilitator. So I have a training for that because I know there are people like us in the workplace who don't work in HR, but who are engaged in conversations with their colleagues, see how meaningful and impactful it is, and want to do more of it but want to do it well. They want to start an employee resource group that focuses on supporting family caregivers. They want to get together with their colleagues every month and talk about what's hard, what's going well, what's a resource, and they want to do it well because they know that these conversations are tough. It is hard to be present in a tough conversation, which is why we need skills to facilitate these. I really believe the solution is within our teams, and oftentimes that's outside of HR. Not to say that HR couldn't be a part of that, but I think the honest conversations are happening within our teams, wherever those teams gather, virtually or in person or both. And the team is talking about who has something coming up that's going to keep them out of the office, that's going to delay a project, that's going to put extra stress on them. Why not have the conversations for these teams on a monthly basis so anybody who wants to be a part of it can be a part of it?
1: So in my understanding, the teams are made up of people who are employed at this particular company. So the facilitator would be somebody that works there.
0: Yeah. So the facilitator is a coworker. it's a colleague, someone who People go to automatically because she's so compassionate, because he's so caring. So it's the person that is already having these conversations. Why not equip and train that person to take the conversations to the next level?
1: Yeah, I just want to clarify. It was that. It was not somebody like me yeah. taking the training to be a facilitator to go into a company.
0: No. Sure, you could. Yep, you could. Absolutely. No, okay. Absolutely.
2: So what you're saying, it's more of a grassroots uh, parallel or bottom-up as opposed to an HR top-down. Right. Okay, good.
0: The truth is, we go to our manager, we go very rarely to HR. We try to stay away from HR. We do. So why not just have these facilitated conversations where they're already taking place? And they're taking place during our meetings, after our meetings, before our meetings, they are part of the workplace because they are part of our life. Absolutely.
2: See, I always thought of HR as, okay, so there's there's team A and they're doing this. HR could say, hey, here's something that's going on within the company. There's other people that might want to participate in it because they're going through the same things in team B and team C and kind of pull it together as a company resource, or let it be known as a company resource. That's where I think of HR.
0: Yes, certainly that's a possibility. I would say that let's not wait for someone else to do it. Let's just do it.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And let's do it in a way that works for us. Yeah. Let's figure out how and when we want to meet. Let's figure out our conversations. Let's dictate the conversation, the topics. Is there
1: another section? You said there was how many sections? Seven?
0: Yeah, there's seven sections. Oh, you know what? And the first section actually is how do you manage after a family member's diagnosis? So we are in a situation in our country where family members are receiving a diagnosis all the time. It's getting worse because of COVID. Long COVID is truly becoming a disability issue. hmm so what do you do after a family member receives a diagnosis? And you guys will know this. So you're in the doctor's office with your family member, your caree. You hear the diagnosis, and then the doctor says, see in six months. Yeah. And then you go home, and you think, oh, my gosh. Okay, now what? So there's actually a free planning tool that we have to help families after a diagnosis. And we help the family caregiver because there's so many nuances to this. A carry might say, I don't want anyone to know about this. And so then the family caregiver is like, okay, I don't want, I'm not supposed to tell anyone, but I actually have to tell some people because of certain situations. During one of these planning sessions, for instance, a family caregiver joined and said, my father-in-law was diagnosed with a chronic illness. He clearly was not well. He didn't want anybody to know about the di- diagnosis, but they had a family reunion soon after that, and everybody went up to her and said, What's wrong with your father in law? Mm-hmm. And she couldn't say because he had said, don't tell anyone. We have to figure out a way to actually navigate these kind of conversations where the Carrie's wishes are respected and the reality of the impact of the diagnosis is also addressed. And there's nowhere you can go to have these kinds of conversations. And there's nowhere you can go to really learn how do you navigate this new system, this healthcare system. After a diagnosis, how do you know what to use, when to use, and why to use it in terms of services? How do you know how to actually organize care? So after a family member's diagnosis helps you through that. And it also talks about the grief that you feel after that diagnosis. How do you heal that?
2: Well, Denise, this workbook sounds like a, a wonderful uh, resource. And like you said, it is free. And you have the accompanying workbook or how-to? Yes.
0: Yeah, so there's a workbook, and then if someone wants to join me for a two-hour workshop, you can, and that helps you implement the strategies. And based on my experience of running this workshop, it does help. So we've had participants in the workshop who have, in the workplace, lost a client to suicide, supported families and patients of persons with ALS and supported a homeless population. That's their work. So you can imagine how that is. Mm -hmm. So they've gone through the workshop and say, I feel better supported. I have tools I didn't have before this workshop. And I feel better managing the difficult emotions that come up during work. It's just important to know that we don't have to I don't want to use the word suffer, but there's so much pain. It does feel like sometimes we just are in a position of suffering. Pressure. And there are strategies that can help us so that we don't have to suffer through a caregiving experience.
2: Well, we're certainly going to put links uh, for people to go and get this workbook and also a link for your training on our show website so people can reach back from our website and get to you and get the training and the resources that they need so we're certainly going to do that for you.
0: Oh that's awesome. Thank you for that.
2: And as usual, it's always a joy to talk to you. You know, we've had this relationship now for about <laughs> 5 years now where we've been associated with you and every time it is an absolute delight to talk to you.
1: And we learn so much. Yes. And Denise for caregivers who have taken your training and those who have yet to take your training, I want to emphasize how grateful all of us should be for everything that you do for so many and how much wisdom you have and how freely you share it and how a tr- you are a true treasure to this world. If we base you know our impact on our life based on the people that we have reached and touched in a positive way, You're you're up there with the saints, lady, and thank you so much.
2: (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs)
0: Thank you for that. It's always so fun to talk to you guys. I so appreciate the opportunity. Okay.
1: You can find more information about Denise and links to her websites, CaringOurWay.com and CarriersAcademy.com, on our show website at RogerThat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby.
2: And I'm Mike.
1: And we are dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia.
2: We'd love to hear from you. would love to answer any questions you might have or just find out how you're doing. Please connect with us on Roger That Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about us, head over to RogerThat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show.
1: Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master.
2: And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights. From dramas to comedies and all those in between.
1: Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link,
0: visit missinglink.company.